0: Good morning, it's good to be together this morning, really appreciate this time that we've been able to spend in worship together. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in First Peter chapter 4, where it was just read for us, First Peter chapter 4, if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd love for you to turn there, I'd love for you to follow along with me as we study together in First Peter, the fourth chapter, looking at verses 10 and 11, First Peter chapter 4. Verses 10 and 11. Can you believe that we are only six weeks away from Christmas? To the very day, as a matter of fact. Maybe with the cold weather that we're having and the snow we had just a couple of nights ago, you can believe it just a little bit more. Now, I'm bringing up Christmas. I don't want you to think that I'm overlooking Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Because in just about a week and a half, 11 days to be exact, there's going to be turkey, football, afternoon naps going around. There's going to be enough for everybody. I'm going to give a bit of a divisive opinion here, so bear with me for just a second. Thanksgiving deserves to be celebrated without being overshadowed by Christmas. Okay, we need to celebrate Thanksgiving. We need to celebrate Turkey Day without it being overshadowed by christmas but then i think we can also be excited about this fact that we are only six weeks away from christmas lord willing in six weeks children and maybe some adults too are going to wake up really early in the morning they're going to run into the living room why it's not just for the sake of being up early in the morning is it Waking up early in the morning, running into the living room to find the Christmas gifts that have been placed underneath the Christmas tree. Gifts that aren't earned, merited, or deserved. Gifts that are given based on love, generosity, and grace. Similarly, but much more profoundly, Whenever we go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, we are confronted with the fact that God has given to us gifts. When we look at this passage of Scripture, what we mean by that is that God has given to us talents and abilities by His grace. He's given to us talents that we don't deserve. He's given to us gifts and abilities that we have not earned. Gifts, abilities that we have not merited for ourselves. It all comes by His grace grace. Over the last 6 weeks with this week being the 6th week, we've been thinking about the grace of God. We've been considering and exploring what the New Testament has to say about God's grace and what God's grace does in our lives. This morning as we study in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11, I want us to see how God's grace gifts. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how grace Now we're going to talk about how grace gifts, which those two words really go well together because they come from the same Greek word. It seems that grace is the overarching idea. Grace is the umbrella term. Grace is the big idea. And the gift is the specific individual expression of the grace of God in our lives. So let's ask the question, what does Peter want us to understand about that? Number one, what does Peter want us to understand about the grace of God in general? But specifically, what does he want us to understand about the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we have received by the amazing grace of our God? I think the first thing that we need to mention when we look at 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, is that verses 10 and 11 are written in a context of urgency. If you go back to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 7, which sets the scene for what we see in verses 10 and 11, Peter says the end of all things is at hand. Can you hear the urgency in that? The end of all things is here, Peter says. It's as if he's sounding the alarm. The end of all things is at hand. I don't know if you all remember the date December 21st of 2012. But that was the day when the Mayan calendar came to an end. And because the Mayan calendar came to an end, a lot of people thought the world was going to end on that particular day. Well, on December 21st of 2012, I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. And one of my friends and I decided that we were going to have an end of the world party at my house. So he came over that afternoon and we were celebrating the end of the world, joking about how silly it was that people actually believed the world was going to end because a particular calendar ended. I kid you not. That afternoon, about three o'clock, it got super dark outside. The wind started blowing really hard. I have to admit, we got a little bit nervous. We were a little bit scared that the end of all things wasn't just at hand, but the end of all things had come. Well, of course, as you know, we're still here just about 10 years later. It got sunny again, and and that passed, and we were able to keep on joking about the end of the world in 2012. But notice the urgency in this statement. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, this is a reality that Peter experienced in his life 2,000 years ago. It's a reality that we continue to experience every day of our lives. As followers of Jesus, the end of all things is at hand. As Christians, we live in the last dispensation of time. We are the only group of people who have lived at the point where the world can end at any moment. Jesus could return at any moment and life, the world as we know it would be over. Jesus could return at any moment and life, the world as we know it, would come to an immediate end. That's the kind of urgency that we're talking about whenever you look at the fourth chapter of 1 Peter 4, specifically verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. So the question is how should we live when we realize that? How should we live in view of the end? recognizing that Jesus could return at any moment and this world would be over in just the snap of a finger. How should we choose to live our lives? What kind of people should we choose to be? Well, when you study through this section of Scripture, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, Peter talks about a few different things, but then when we get to verses 10 and 11, Peter talks about the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we have been given by God's grace. This is a context of urgency in First Peter chapter 4. What that means is this. What we're going to be talking about this morning is not something to do tomorrow. This is not something to do next week. This is not something to do next month. What we're talking about in First Peter 4 verses 10 and 11 is something that needs to be done immediately. As we study this section of scripture, if I discover this isn't who I am, If I discover this isn't the way that I'm living my life, this needs to be fixed immediately because the end of all things is at hand. What does Peter want us to understand in that context of urgency about the gifts that we've been given by God's grace? I want to suggest three ideas to you. Number one, I believe that Peter wants us to understand the extent of God's grace gift in grace he wants us to understand how far it goes look at the first phrase of first peter chapter 4 and verse 10 just those first few words peter says as each has received a gift this letter that we call first peter is a little bit different than other letters that we find in the new testament for instance it's not written to an individual like titus first second timothy or philemon It's not written to just one specific congregation, like Colossians being written to the church at Colossae, or Philippians being written to the church at Philippi. If you go back to the very beginning of the letter, this is 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, we find that this letter is written to Christians in five different areas. He says it's written to those who are in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter's thinking about a wide range of people there. He's thinking about people who are spread out from one another in these five different geographical regions. Then you go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. In that first phrase, who does Peter leave out? In that first phrase, who does Peter exclude? He doesn't exclude anybody, does he? He doesn't leave anybody out. He doesn't say, as some have received a gift. He doesn't say as most or the majority have received a gift. He doesn't say as the rich have received a gift. He doesn't say as the elite have received a gift. He says as each has received a gift. You know what that means? If you're a Christian, even if you don't feel like it, you have received some kind of gift from God by His grace. If you are a member of the body of Christ, then God has given you some kind of talent that you don't deserve and some kind of ability that you have not earned or merited for yourself. This is the, this is the extent of God's gifting grace in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Nobody's left out. Nobody is excluded. Peter states it as a matter of a fact as each has received a gift. But then, notice when you skip down just a little bit, Into 1 Peter chapter 4 at the very end of verse number 10. He talks about God's varied grace. God's diverse grace. God's manifold grace. It's like having a menu at a restaurant. When you look at a menu at a restaurant. Which I had to put this one up on the screen. Because it's my favorite menu in the entire world. The menu at Chick-fil-A. But you think about your favorite menu. You think about your favorite restaurant. As you look at a menu, there's not just one option on there, is it? It's not, you wouldn't have a menu if there was just one option, because you could only order one thing. There are all kinds of different things, but those different things, those different foods, come from the same menu. They come from the same restaurant. Well, when we look at the Lord's Church, whenever we think about the gifts that we have received by God's grace, it's Very similar. By God's grace, Peter says, each one has received a gift. But does that mean that God has given us each the same gift? Does that mean that we're all the same, talented and gifted in the same areas? Has God taken us like a cookie cutter and made us all the same? No, Peter says that God's grace is varied. It's diverse. It's manifold. Each one has received a gift by God's grace, but that grace takes different forms In our individual lives. I don't have the same gifts that you have. You don't have the same gifts that I have. You look across the auditorium at somebody. You don't have the same gifts that that particular person has. The the person sitting next to you. You've not been given the same talents and abilities as that person has. This is the extent of God's gifting grace. Each one has received a gift by God's grace. But that grace takes different forms in our lives. We don't all have the same talents. I think Paul really summarizes it well. When you look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, he says the same thing as Peter. Look at the first half. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. He goes on to say, let us use them, which we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But look at these three ideas. Number one, we have gifts as each has received a gift. Number two, those gifts are given how? According to the grace that's been given to us. They're gifts, talents, and abilities that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned. And then notice number three, that they differ. They differ from one another. God's grace takes different forms and is expressed in different ways through the different talents and abilities that we've been given. This is the extent of God's gifting grace. Everyone is included, but we don't all have the same gifts reminds me of a story of two individuals who graduated from the chicago kent college of law one of them was named overton overton was blind but he was the the highest ranking student in the class on graduation when he was being honored as being the highest ranking student he went up to make his speech the first thing that he said is that half credit for this honor needs to go to my friend john John didn't have any arms. Overton and John met each other on a staircase where John helped Overton down the staircase because he couldn't see. From that point forward, they became best friends. They actually became very dependent on one another. Let me give you an example of that. Whenever they would go to the library to study, John would lead Overton down the street because Overton was blind. But John would carry, or rather, Overton would carry all the books because John didn't have any arms. Whenever they got to the library, Overton would take the books and spread them out on the table, and John would read them as they were studying together. They were gifted in different areas. They had different strengths. They had different weaknesses, but complemented one another well. That's why upon graduation, they decided to go in business together. They decided they were going to practice law together. It's obvious that they needed each other. They complemented one another. Where one was weak, the other was strong. Where one had a disability, the other was able to help with that. I think Peter presents a similar idea to us. In First Peter 4 and verse 10, each one has received a gift by God's grace. But we don't all have the same gifts. God's grace takes different expressions and different forms in our lives as we use our gifts. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We're not all the same. We're not all gifted in the same areas. And because of that, we need one another. We have the opportunity to complement one another. Where I'm weak, someone else is going to be strong. Where you're not gifted, somebody else in the congregation, somebody else in the Lord's church is going to be very talented in that particular area area we need one another because we're able to complement one another the church is not just about one person's gifts the church is not about only about just a few gifts that exist within the congregation instead the church is about all of us coming together with our different gifts that we have received by God's grace serving God serving one another and serving our community the extent number one of God's gifting grace Number two, Peter wants us to understand something about the usage of God's gift and grace. And so we step back into point number one for just a second. It should make us feel special. It should make us feel needed within the body of Christ because we are. We all have these different, unique talents and gifts and abilities, and we use them to complement one another. When we come together, we come together as a whole. It's like a puzzle being put together and making a beautiful picture. But then the rubber really meets the road when you keep reading in verse number 10, doesn't it? Peter says, as each has received a gift, the next two words, use it. Each one of us has received a gift that should make us feel needed. It should make us feel special in the body of Christ because we are. But then the rubber really meets the road with those two words, use it. God has given each one of us a gift and he expects us to use them. There's a scene in a TV show called The Office, maybe some of you have seen this TV show, where Pam Beasley, the secretary, brings two pictures in her hands to Creed, who is serving temporarily as the manager of their branch. She brings in the two pieces of paper because she wants to distract him for just a little bit. She tells him, in these two pieces of paper, there are seven differences. Corporate called and wants you to find all the seven differences between these two pictures creed he's kind of a crazy character he grabbed the two pieces of paper really excited about it and said awesome i already see one of them well the camera panned to pam in the next scene she's sitting by herself and she says what you can see at the bottom of the screen they were the same picture he was looking for seven differences in the two pictures but it turns out they were the exact same picture can i share with you two things that are the same picture when you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Not having a gift in the, in the first place and not using your gift. Those two things, while they might look different on the surface, are in reality the same picture. Not having a gift in the first place and not using it are one and the same. They're the same thing. They have the same result, which is absolutely nothing. God has given to us Gifts by His grace, each one of us. And He expects us to use them. To use them how? How does God expect us to use the gifts that He's given to us by grace? Well, continue walking through this passage with me. Number one in verse 10, Peter says that we are to use our gifts to serve one another. You remember in John chapter 13 when Jesus took a towel and a basin of water and He washed His disciples' feet? He serves them in that way after washing 24 dirty, nasty feet. You remember what he said a little bit later in John 13, John chapter 13 and verse 15. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. What a beautiful and powerful picture of how we're supposed to use our gifts to serve one another. Peter, the one writing this letter, had his feet washed by Jesus. And when he looks at these five different churches in these five different areas, he says you all have these gifts, but you have to understand how to use them. Use them to serve. Use them to benefit one another. Follow in the example of Jesus. Follow in Jesus' footsteps of service. It's tempting to use our gifts only for ourselves. To serve ourselves. To benefit ourselves Peter challenges us us in verse 10 to step outside of that. Number one, we are to use our gifts to serve and to benefit one another. Number two, he says at the end of verse 10, we are to use our gifts as good stewards. Back in this time, a steward was someone who was entrusted to manage something really important. In the New Testament time, stewards would manage different things like people's homes or people's farms, even the city's finances. They were entrusted with them To manage them faithfully. As Christians we are stewards. We are stewards of God's very grace. The question is what kind of steward are we? Are we good stewards or are we bad stewards? God has entrusted to us these different gifts and talents and abilities. How are we using them? Are we using them faithfully? Are we using them unfaithfully? Or are they just sitting there? And then number three, when you look at verse 11, Peter says that we are to use our gifts with God's continued involvement. Verse 11 covers anything we could do with our gifts. It's kind of like what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, he talks about speaking and he talks about service. He talks about our words and he talks about our actions. He says if you're using your gift and it requires words, what do you do? If any man speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. Let him speak the very utterances of God. Well, if it doesn't require words and it just requires action, if you're going to use your gift in service, how do you do that? Well, just lower your shoulder and push as hard as you can. That's not what Peter says. Peter says if you're going to use your gift to serve, then serve with the strength that God supplies. God has given us gifts. But in giving those gifts, He hasn't stepped back and said, good luck, figure it out. In giving us gifts, God has not stepped back to allow us to use them based on our own words or our own strength. God continues to be involved in the gifts that he has given, and we have to allow that. If we're going to speak, we speak the words that he has given. If we're going to serve, we use the strength that he supplies. This is the proper usage of God's gifting grace we are to use our gifts to serve one another to be good stewards and to allow god to continually be involved in what he originally gave do you have any gift cards sitting around your house sitting in your wallet maybe they've been there for a little while maybe they were given several weeks several months even several years ago and you still haven't used them yet I know that I have some. I came across an article from the New York Post that stated from 2008 to 2018, in that 10-year period, there was $44 billion wrapped up in unused gift cards. $44 billion, that's a lot of money just sitting around in unused gift cards. It seems to me, if somebody gives you a gift card, you have two options. Number one, you can use it. You can go out and enjoy it. You can spend it on what the person gave you to spend it on, or... You can just let it sit there and collect dust. I believe we have the same option when it comes to the gifts that God has given to us by His grace. Option number one, we can go out and use them for the purpose that God gave them to us. Or option number two, we can just let them sit there and do nothing. As if we haven't even been given a gift in the first place. Are we using the talents and abilities that God has given to us? But it's not just, are we using them? Are we using them properly? Are we using them in the way that Peter specifies in this passage of Scripture? Are we using our gifts to serve one another and not just to serve ourselves? Are we using our gifts as good stewards of what God has entrusted to us? Are we using our gifts to allow God to continually be involved with His Word and His strength? With what He has already and originally given to us. This is the proper usage of the gifts that God has given to us. Put very simply, we are to use them. If I'm not using my gifts, if you're not using your gifts, this church as a whole is not going to function properly. And then number three, perhaps most important. Peter wants us to understand in verse number 11 the aim of God's gifting grace. So we understand point number one. We see the extent of it. Each one has received a gift by God's varied or diverse grace. We understand point number two. We're supposed to use them. We're supposed to use them to serve one another, to be good stewards, to allow God to continually be involved. But then ultimately, what is this all about? What's the finish line? What are we ultimately wanting to do with the gifts that God has given to us? Can you see it in verse 11? In order that, in everything God may be glorified through our Lord Jesus Christ what is our gifts ultimately about our gifts are ultimately about bringing glory and honor and praise to the name of our God to show other people on a daily basis how indescribably amazing he is to demonstrate to other people how great our God is like what jesus says in matthew the fifth chapter remember that let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what glorify your father who is in heaven god is the one who has given to us the gifts and because god is the one who has given the gifts in the first place he is the only one who deserves the credit the honor the glory and the praise at the end of verse 11 we find that it already belongs to him all glory Praise, dominion, power, and strength already belongs to our God forever and ever. We just have to have the humility to give it to Him. Number three, Peter wants us to understand the aim of God's gift and grace. It's all about bringing glory and honor to His name, showing other people how great He is There's been a lot of people to use this phrase, but Leonard Cole is the one who is credited with saying, if you've got it, then flaunt it. Heard that before, haven't you? Is that the way that we think whenever it comes to the gifts that God has given to us by His grace? If we've got them, then we need to flaunt them. We all have different areas where we're gifted and we're talented. We have all of these different abilities and these things that we're good at. We need to use those things to show how great we are. To show how talented we are. So that all eyes will be on us. So that people will be impressed with us. So that people will compliment us. So that people will pat us on the back. And we go to 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. And Peter says, you have the wrong aim. He says, you're looking towards the wrong finish line. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about using our gifts. Not to bring attention to ourselves. But to bring attention to God. To not place everyone's eyes on us but to place everyone's eyes on Him and to show how great He is. He's the one who gave the gift. Therefore, He's the one who deserves the glory. He's the one who deserves the honor. If I created my gift, if it originated with me, then the glory could come to me. But look at verse 10. This is something that we have received. This is something that's been given by grace, not something that's been earned. And so all the glory goes to Him. It already belongs to Him. We just have to have the humility to give it. Reminded of a story about William Booth. Perhaps you've heard of him. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. Later in his life, he went blind. They thought that there would be a chance of him recovering his sight, but there wasn't. His son, named Bramwell, was the one who was given the very difficult task of telling his father, you're never going to see again. You're never going to get your eyesight back. And of course, they thought that he would respond with heartbreak. They thought he might be angry. They thought he might be really sad. That he might want to give up on life. You know what William Booth said when his son told him, you're never going to get your sight back? He said, I've done for God and His people what I can with my eyes. Now I'm going to do for God and His people what I can without my eyes. We look at the extent, the usage, the aim of God's gifting grace. Maybe it should make us ask ourselves, what are we doing with what God has given to us? What are we doing for God and his people with the gifts that God has given to us by his grace? Maybe that's not a question that you can answer in the next 15 or 20 seconds, in the next minute or two. Maybe you need to think about that question into this afternoon. Maybe you need to think about this question throughout the week. It's a question that requires some reflection. As a congregation, as individuals, what are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing for God and His people with the gifts that God has given to us by His grace? If you're not where you want to be or you're not where you need to be, thanks be to God that He's given us this moment. He's given us the present moment in view of the fact that the end of all things is at hand and Jesus Christ could return at any moment. God has graciously given us this moment to get it right. So if we can help you to do that this morning, that would be an honor for us as together we stand and sing the psalm that's been selected.